this time I want to introduce someone to you that's a guest of ours this morning. A few years ago, uh, Pastor Wade Wallace, Calvary Baptist Church in Russell, had an opportunity to go preach series revival sermons, uh, messages uh, in Uganda. He uh, preached revival services, worked there in Uganda for a week or so, and was uh, hosted in a church there. And um, the following year, uh, Calvary, led by Brother Wade, uh, gathered together a mission team and went back to minister there in Uganda in the area where Brother Wade had preached. Uh, one of the pastors there in the area, the pastor that hosted Brother Wade, was Pastor Vincent Victor. I had an opportunity to meet Pastor Victor about uh, three years ago, I guess. After Brother Wade came back, Pastor Victor came over and visited and spoke at our pastor's conference. Uh, this past summer, prior to, I guess, late spring, early summer, uh, we had an opportunity to meet again, and I asked Pastor Victor if he would come today and share with us his personal testimony and also a very unique ministry that he's involved in uh, with the pastors there uh, in Uganda. And so uh, we set this date for today, and so he was able to to come, and so I want you to just help welcome Pastor uh, Vincent Victor. Would you do that? Someone say amen. I'm so glad to be here this morning, and I believe the Lord is going to bless you. Uh, my name is Pastor Vincent Victorious. I'm from the country of Uganda. Uganda is an eastern part of Africa. <clears throat> Always I love to give a little geographical location where Uganda is. Uh, Africa, we have over 52 countries. So Uganda, we are located in eastern part. So from, uh, of course, Uganda is, is a landlocked country. Anything comes in Uganda, it has to flow in. You cannot just bring it with the water. We don't have any ocean. So it's a landlocked country. So to come to Uganda, you have to flow in. Uh, Uganda, we share several borders. In northern part of Uganda, we share border with Sudan. Eastern part of Uganda, we share border with Kenya. Western part, we share border with the Congo. Thousand part, we share border with Rwanda. And southeast, we share border with Tanzania, which makes to be a land-locked country. So anything comes in Uganda, it has to come through those countries or flow in. So I'm going to share with you in three phases. Phase number one, I'm going to share my testimony. Uh, sorry, phase number one, I'm going to share what we do over there. And phase number two, I'm going to share my testimony. And phase number three, I'll share in the word of God. I'll be trying to be very, very quick. Uh, in Africa, we are not good in time. Uh, so whenever I come here, I try my best. <laughs> in Africa, we start by 8 up to 3 p.m. And then we come back again 5 until maybe uh, around 10 but I'm not going to bring African church here. So <laughs> I know some of you have been kind of worried. Uh, are we going to spend all day here? 
So I'm not going to bring African church here. I'm going to be very, very quick. Uh, I'm pastoring a church in Uganda. But before that, I want to thank God for your welcoming me here to speak to you and share my testimony. My testimony is good to encourage you. I want to thank God for pastors, Pastor Sam's who have spent more time with you here and he has been nice to you and nurturing you and raise you up spiritually. He's a wonderful man of God. I believe he's a powerful preacher. You know, to be in one place for more than 30 years, it takes a calling of God and a love of God in him. It is not very easy. Most of, most of us, we want to stay a few years and we go to another location. You get tired to see same people, same color, same face. So you want to go to another place. But for him, he has tolerated you and you have tolerated him to be with you. So we thank God for him. Uh, I'm going to share, as I told you, in three things, uh, in three, uh, three phases. But all the phases are very phenomenal. They're going to encourage you. I'm pastoring a church in Uganda. And through one church, we are able to plant over another 85 churches in the country of Uganda, which is not easy. So the missionary you are praying every day, they are doing a tremendous work in overseas. They don't just go for holiday, for vacation, but they go to reach people who are unreached. And that's what we do in Uganda. So I'm pastoring on the same time. We have two orphanage homes for children whom their parents died of AIDS. We have two campus. Campus number one, we have over 290 children. And campus number two, we run over 350 children. We have children from four years to 12 years, and then from 13 years to 18 years. And those are two different campus. Our Calvary, we are, they were able to help us building uh, a chapel when they came last three years. They were able to build a chapel for us where children can worship and also we use it like a multi-purpose. They, you use it for worship and also they use it for dinner, to eat lunch and supper. So that's the place we use. It was built uh, by Calvary Chapel. So Calvary, uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Roosevelt. So we thank God. We call it Calvary Chapel. So I'm still <laughs> thinking I'm still in Uganda. Well, I'm here. So that's a little bit we do. But last year, the Lord put a burden on my heart with pastors. The only the way we can outreach the entire Africa and the entire nation is to empower the local pastors. So one day I went down in the village to preach. And I saw pastors walking 50 miles, 20 miles to come to hear me preaching. And that touched my heart. In Kampala, where I live, is a capital. At least there is minibus, there are some buses that you can jump in and go and preach or and do other things. But in the villages of Uganda, it is not like here. Here roads are wonderful. Uh, but in the villages there, they are full of potholes. So you cannot even walk. You have to walk a full day. So you have pastors who walk from midnight to the morning to go to preach in their local assembly. 
So we felt it is very necessary to empower them to double the church. And only that we can double the church is to get them transportation. And when you talk about transportation, we don't talk about a motor vehicle or a car we are talking or a motorcycle. We are talking about a bicycle. A bicycle, uh, I don't know if I pronounce it right. Is it right? Bicycle. <laughs> Always I know it is hard. There are some, uh, there are some chapter, some uh, verses I cannot, I cannot pronounce when I'm here. I have to ask. <laughs> so a bicycle, it is something that you know need, it doesn't need gas. It doesn't need oil. It is something you can jump in and just ride. You put your wife on the back. <laughs> and then you just ride. We do that. Women, they are very flexible in Uganda. You just put your woman, your wife on the back, and then you sit. If she have a baby, she hold the baby, and then you start riding, going to, to the church. Last year, we were able to give away 299 bicycles to the pastors. And uh, today we are believe, uh, this year, we are believing God, by God's grace, to give our at least like a 200 bicycles. And my target is to raise 200 bicycles. If you give a bicycle to a pastor, he feels like he has got a Mercedes-Benz. Uh, he felt he has a great truck. What he will do is to wake up and clean it and ride it to the church and coming back. So a bicycle is going to take another 12 years without having any problem. You don't take them to the shop. You don't take it to the garage. You just have to maintain it, wash it, and put some oil on the tires, and then you ride. And if a pastor gets a bicycle, is not going to have only his church. He's going to plant another 10 churches per year. So if every church he plants has 100 people, that is 1,000 brand new children of God. So whenever you donate a bicycle to a pastor, you have become a part of those 10 churches that is going to plant you will see some of that video on the end as I will be donating, giving away the pastors because of people like you who have been supporting. Today, as I'm sharing with you, and that is a great, uh, a great mission to invest in, you can buy a bicycle to a pastor. Of course, one bicycle doesn't take a lot. It costs $125 to buy a bicycle, which will take another 15 years. So in another 15 years, every year, you will be able to plant, to be a part of the planting, the church in Africa, over 10 churches. You may not be there, but the bicycle will be there. So you can pray about it and see what the Lord can lead you. That is my burden to see that those people in Africa, in Uganda, getting transportation. Last year, we are in western part of of Uganda, and we are able to plan, to give away 299 churches. So we are going to thousand part of Uganda to give away 200 bicycles. Right now, we have nothing. We have none. But I believe, as I'm speaking to you, the Lord will speak to you to become a part of the bicycle mission. Amen.
May God bless you as you pray about it. I want to, that's phase number one. Phase number two. I told you I'm not going to bring African church here. Uh, phase number two, I want to share my testimony with you. And this testimony is going to encourage your faith. Uh, it's going to lift you up. I was born in a Muslim family. You know, in a Muslim, we don't believe, they don't believe in Jesus. And they don't believe in Christianity. And why I'm giving a testimony? Several years ago, I never given that testimony. Until five years back, the Lord began to convict me to give the testimony. And since I've begun to give the testimony, I have seen people encouraged, not only encouraged, but also to get saved. Matter of fact, in Europe, where I have traveled, I have seen many, many Muslims changing their behavior and coming to Jesus because of the testimony. And through that, I've written a book out of the testimony challenging the Muslims this is a book called Breaking the Holes of Islam. We are breaking the holes. Every hole that Muslims, they are built on themselves. We are breaking them by enlightening people. People get to know what the Quran say about Jesus and what the Bible says about Jesus. Muhammad is not written in the Bible, but Jesus was written in the Quran. And Jesus is the savior in the Quran. So in this little book of a hundred and some pages, it will enlighten you. I have a few copies, maybe 20 copies. You can have your copies. This book is dedicated to our children in orphanage. Every penny you buy this book, we contribute it to buy food for our children in orphanage. So when you buy this book, it doesn't go, it's not going to help you alone, but you are feeding children in our orphanage. It costs only $10, but you can add more as the spirit leads you if you love children. And why we do the children ministry? Because also I was, I was abandoned. I was cast out as I'm going to give my testimony. That's why we do that. So in the end, around the welcome center, you'll find me those few books. You'll be able to get your copy. And God will bless you. I was born in a Muslim family. My father was an imam. Imam is a leader of a Muslim. He had a Moscow that he was leading. Actually, he's still leading. Not he was. He is still leading. He has a mega Moscow where he's pastoring or where he's leading. He has over maybe 2,000 people. He's leading his old men, but he's still you know, leading those uh, cult, religion. But I thank God that Jesus met me on my way as I was going to attend the Islamic Theological Institute. I was in Islam College where I was going to become a missionary in a, uh, in a northern part of Africa, country like Egypt, Morocco, uh, Saudi Arabia, all those countries. But one day as I was going back to, uh, to, the, uh, to the school, it was my second year, and uh, it was Friday. I couldn't cross the border because I was studying on the other side of Congo. So I was stuck on that night. So I was, uh, I was, paused. I, I was posted to spend a night on Uganda side. So that Friday on Saturday, they had a crusade that was going on in that part of the world. 
So I spent a night on the Uganda side. So on the following day, I decided to go to see these missionaries. There was a team of 50 white people. I'd never seen many, many white people like that before. So when you are in the country like Uganda where 100% black people, so when we see other color comes, we get a little bit, you know, you, you go there just to, you know, you get a little bit excited to see these people come in our place. So my going to the meeting, it was not to go to get saved, but to see this many white people uh, who had come to our country. So I went there to see these many white people. I didn't know it was God's will me to go there so that I can give my life to Jesus. So this man, he was from northern part of Alabama. He came to preach Dr. Jimmy Jackson. So he preached about hope. And well, he preached about hope in such a way I'd never had comparing to my religion. So when he given the invitation or the altar call, I went there with my hands up. I was number one on the altar and I surrendered my life to Jesus. So I didn't know I'll be what I am. I knew maybe I just went there emotionally or something. But you know, the Holy Spirit is real and the Holy Spirit was at work. So well, after giving my life to Jesus, I went back in the motel. Remember, I have my luggage in the motel. I have to cross to go to, uh, to, to school. I was supposed to go on Monday, but that was the end of my journey. I couldn't proceed. What I did is to go back home to share my testimony with my family, what I've met on the way. So as I was sharing my testimony, my sister was extremely mad. She pulled me. of meat was taken over here. So, so she was so mad. He said, no, we can't get, you can't tell me this Christian stuff. You know, she cast and spoke a lot of things. So my father was there and he was extremely mad. I would see veins everywhere. You know, to the black people, when you get mad, you don't turn your color. But they can see veins. To people like you, when you get mad, somebody can tell. But to the black people, especially in Africa, they don't turn color. So I would see veins everywhere. She was, he was extremely mad. And he said, I'll give you two days to think about. So in the next two days, they are coming three, four guys. They are Swahabas. Swahabas, they are those who are experienced in the in the scriptures, so they drove me 370 miles and dumped me in the game park. In the game park, that's where there is lions, cheetahs, and all those dangerous animals. But the Lord protected me. I was tied with the chains, my hand and my feet. But the Lord protected me for nine hours. On the nine hours, that's where the guy came after around seven with the animals, you know, uh, with the cows and goat. He was going home, and then he saw me. So when he saw me, I stopped by, and I told him my story. He turned me loose and took me to his house and took care of my hand. 
That's how I saved my hand. Today I would be crippled or I would be dead by lions and dangerous animals. That's why I preach with all my strength. If you find me in Africa, I'll be preaching on the top of my voice. Because we don't have the equipment like here you do. So use much of your voice. So I thank the Lord that he didn't dub me. So when I came back in Kampala, of course I lived in the church for one year. After one year, a woman from England, her name was called Helen Smith. She had come for mission and she got me over there and adapted me and began supporting me to go to school. And that's why I can speak to you today in English. In Africa, if you don't go to school, you cannot speak this language. We speak our local language. So this woman, she was a great tool. She adapted me and took me to school for years until I finished. And I remained standing still. After my normal education, I went to Bible college. And after Bible college from Nairobi, I came back and I began to do evangelism. Attend evangelism across Uganda. That's why we are able to plant over eight churches because of that woman. So that's a little bit of my testimony in short. And uh, of course, I'm, I'm trying to cut them in pieces. The rest you will read more in this book. Amen. Phase number three. I want to share with you in the word of God in the next uh, five minutes. Amen. <laughs> I want you to go with me in the book of Psalms 51. The book of Psalms 51, I want to share with you the message I've entitled, uh, Renewal, the Joy of Your Salvation. Simply renewal, the joy of your salvation. The book of Psalms 51, verse 10 uh, verse 10, 11, and 12. I'm going to read three verses, very rich. Those are very rich verses, very strong, and they're going to bless you. Amen. Let us read together. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and not take away your whole spirit from me. Restore me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I'm going to share from these three verses. These three verses, they are going to change your life, totally your life. As the Lord given me these verses or this message, I was meditating and reading. And the Lord just gave to me wide to you. As I'm sharing about renewing the joy of your salvation. Today we have many people coming to the church whereby they have lost the joy of their salvation. You come to church like a kind of coming because your grandparent used to come to Mountain View. But you should not come because your great-great-parent came here. You should come here because you love Jesus. And that's all issue why you come to church. But because you have really lost the joy and the love of Christ, when you lose the joy of your salvation, you cannot be in intimacy with him. And that's why the Bible says, create in me, this is Mr. David. David was a man who was after God's heart. But eventually he lost 
he lost the joy because of his sinful nature. And after knowing that he have lost the joy, the Bible says he cried to God and said, please create in me a clean heart, O God. When you ask him, create in me a clean heart, which means he had lost a clean heart. So he wanted God to create a new heart in him. When you lose a heart to God, you have to ask him to give you a new heart. So David had to cry to say, please, renew, create in me a clean heart. Number one. Number two, renew a right spirit. When you lose the Holy Spirit, you are like a nobody. Because it is the Holy Spirit convict us for sin and judgment. Whenever you mess up, the Holy Spirit comes in and spoke to you. Number two, cast me not away from thy presence. When you are out of the presence of God, you are like a dead person. My prayer today, my prayer every day, Lord, don't take away your presence from me. I need the presence of God. When there is a presence of God around you, you are going to be very strong. Your prayer will be strong because of the presence. When the presence of God is around you, you're not going to fear. Because you know you are not alone. The presence of God is with you. When the presence of God is with you, you are not going to fear even to die. Because you know where you are going. You are going to meet the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Good of Christian, we know where we are going. And bad of Muslim, they don't know where they are going. Muhammad that they are worshipping, he's still in Mecca, in the bedroom of Aisha. But Jesus, you cannot find him anywhere. The Bible says he died and he rose on the third day. And he went over there and we are waiting for his return. One day he was walking with Peter. As he was walking, the Bible says, Peter saw him going up in heaven. And Peter said, please don't leave me. And Jesus said, the way you have seen me gone, the same way I will come back. And in the same way, Jesus is coming back. When you lose the joy of your salvation, you cannot even give to your church. You cannot even give the tithe. You cannot even love your neighbor because yourself you have lost the joy of your salvation. There is power when you are allowing the joy to be inside of you. I always am happy when I have money. I'm happy when I have food. I'm happy when I don't have food. Why? Because of the joy of my salvation. You cannot buy salvation. Salvation is a free will by the grace of God. You cannot get saved because you have a lot of money or because you are so educated. You can get salvation because somebody, he was so gracious to you and he died for you and that's why you are here today. You are not here because you don't have television. You are not here because you don't have internet. You are here because you know somebody died for you. And that's why you are here. When I fly from Africa to here, because somebody died for me. And that's why I speak about the joy of your salvation. Today you can renew the joy of your salvation. You know, in America, you have everything. You are living in the country of abundance where everything is possible. 
You are living in the country where everything is possible. You can create atmosphere. Imagine you are inside of here, but there is an air condition. When you go outside, it's something else. In Africa, you, know, you don't expect to find air condition. You don't expect to find air condition in the car. The atmosphere is totally different. But here, because you live in the country where everything is possible, you have created the atmosphere. You live in the country whereby uh, if you have a house of six bedroom, you don't end on six bedroom. You feel it's not enough. You say, let me build another house for my car to live in. And you build a house for your car to live in. Because you live in the country where everything is possible. Very, very few people who have cars live outside. Most of you, when you build your house, you build another house on the side where your cars will live in. You don't end there. You build another house for your horses to live in too. And you don't end over there. You build another bedroom for your cat and, the, uh, uh, and dog. In Africa, you're not going to find that. So if you don't go to heaven, it will be a big mistake for you. Because God has made everything possible so that you can make it over there. And I'm looking forward to see you one day in heaven. If I don't find you, I'll have to ask Pastor Sam, where his brother so and so is. I have to find you there, whether devil like or not. You have to go to heaven. God has created everything for you as I'm finishing. Uh, verse 11, verse 12. Restore me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore me the joy of your salvation. Restore me. This is prayers of David. He had messed up. Everything was messed up. So he was crying to God, please restore me the joy. If you want to have a happy family, a happy marriage, you have to allow the joy of God in your life. Why we have to have a joy? Not just coming to church. When you come to church today, you come to renewal. Number one, the joy of your salvation. Number two, you come to renewal the intimacy with God. Number three, you come to renewal your walk with Christ. And that's why we have an altar. People wondering why Pastor Sam every Sunday inviting people on the altar. Yes, inviting people on the altar in order to renew their intimacy, their love, their walk with Jesus. Don't tell me you never mess up. Monday to Friday, you have messed up somehow. I'm finishing with this little interesting story before the invitation. If you work in Roosevelt, downtown in the hospital, these days we have what you call Facebook. How many were on the Facebook? Facebook. Am I pronouncing right? Yeah, Facebook. I'm not saying Facebook taking you to hell. No. I know some of you don't want to lift up your hand because you think it is demonic. 
It's not demonic. It is a mode of communication. As long as you use it right. Amen. How many were on the first book? Almost everybody, including me. When you're on the Facebook, you can talk to someone in Chicago and say, hey, what's up there? And he says, nothing much. You may not talk on the phone for hours, but you can talk on the Facebook for hours. And he'll ask you, how is Alabama? Oh, Alabama is cold. What about Chicago? It's raining. And then you answer, wow. So you are talking, maybe you're working in hospital. You forgot you have to clock in by eight and then you spend all day you spend all night on the Facebook and eventually you find yourself around three in the morning. So the time you sleep is late. You cannot wake up at seven thirty. You find yourself maybe waking up around seven forty five and you cannot make it within fifteen minutes to your hospital. Because simply because not because you didn't want to go to work Simply, you spend all night chatting on the Facebook. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and then when you go, uh, I have some point here. Because I've seen it happen, uh, even in Uganda. When you go on the road, you start driving. You cannot take shower when it's too late. You better not take shower and reach a time. So you are going to put your makeup in the bag and then you make up yourself as you are driving. So while you are driving, in front of you, you're going to find another, somebody, maybe a tourist from Mississippi, driving five per hour, and you are late. Do you know what is going to happen? If you get a chance and overtake her, you are going to say something ugly on that old lady. Because she's driving slow and you are late. And that's why when you come on Sunday here, you find the pastor Sam after preaching, he gives you the invitation so that you can bring all the mess up here. You leave them here and you go back free. And even today, there is opportunity for you that you can open up your heart and bring all the misrepresent and leave them right here. When you leave them here, you are going to go back totally free, totally delivered, out of a mess and waiting the Lord Jesus Christ to come. You may say why we have to get an invitation. You come to get an invitation to put your things right. Never say, I went last Sunday on the altar. Now I'm not going to go. You have to do it because you have to ask him to check you out. You have to ask him to check your heart, your soul. Jesus is coming very soon. Why don't we stand up on our feet? There are going to be an opportunity for you. The problem in the United States today, when time comes for the altar, some of them, that's how they see, my time is gone. I have to go to watch TV. But remember, today is a Sabbath day where you have to give 100% to him. This is a tithe. You give, you give a tithe to God is one day. On Sunday, you just give a tithe to God. You come to worship and surrender all to him. 
And that's why we come on Sunday. But some say, no, I have to be in the church 20 minutes. I'm writing a book called Prayer for American Church. That's why I'm writing a book. We are, all, we are about to take it for printing. It's going to be 150 pages, Prayer for American Church. You know, you are our spiritual parent because you brought the Africa in Uganda. You, so you brought the gospel in Africa. And when you brought the gospel in Africa, we captured what you brought to us. And we hold it. And then you told us you have to go on Sunday to worship. It's okay. You didn't told us the time. You told us you worship. You guys were the one who brought the gospel in Africa. We didn't know about Jesus. We knew that Jesus was for white people, not for black people. That's why the Muslims are very strong in Africa. Matter of fact, when I preach about Jesus, they want to kill me. Because they think I'm preaching the white God. But Jesus is not a white God. Jesus is not a, a black thing. Jesus is for every human being. There is no black heaven and white heaven. We have only a heaven of those who are washed in the blood of Jesus. And that is you and I. If you are worshiping white Jesus, you are in the wrong place. If you are worshiping black Jesus, you are in the wrong place. We have only Jesus, the son of God. I don't know even his color. One thing I know, he is the son of God. And because he died for me, simply I believe in him. And I follow him until he comes back. So what you guys did is to bring us to Jesus and we captured him. That's why we spend all day in the church. You didn't tell us you stopped by one. They told us Sunday is a worshiping. Amen. So that's what we do over there. Uh, as we're thinking about yourself, if Jesus comes tomorrow, where are you going? Are you going to heaven? But you can make yourself right with him. And that's why we come on the altar. You don't come on the altar because you have to show up. You come on the altar because you want to renew your work with him. You want to renew your relationship. You want to renew your love with him. You lost that love with him. But today you can renew again. I want you to feel it in your heart. Don't show anyone. Just feel it. And when we give you an invitation, take a step of faith and come on the altar. I'm not going to lay hands on you. Let God bless you. The pastor is not going to lay hands on you. I want himself to lay hands on you. I want God to pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, 18, come and let us reason together. Today you are going to reason with him. I love Jesus because I'm from a far lost religion. So once Jesus came on me over 30 years ago, now I'm preaching strongly because I know what I believe in him. I know his value and I know how a Christian value. Amen? So I want you to think about it as my brother singing for you. Take a step of faith. The altar will be open for you.